we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. This is our path to power season. My name is Simone, and every week I'm talking to phenomenal individuals, change makers, trailblazers, people who are doing fantastic things, whether it be in their business, whether it be across their communities, challenging the norm, creating more inclusive cultures, you know, and so much more. Every week I'm learning different things from different people, totally getting inspired, totally thinking of new things to put on tote bags that I want to carry around with some of this great advice that drives along, whether it be our personal or professional goals. And I'm delighted this week, all the things that I've just said totally stick with this one amazing human, Lella Violet Haloum, who is an award-winning young change maker, technologist, power of youth champion, and public speaker. Hello, Lella. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me on. And do you know what I want to start? I want to really take this conversation to how do we start putting the phrase young people into boxes. Not every young person is the same. And I know that you're somebody who is really passionate about her own sort of skills. You started to code at eight. You were on hackathon, hackathons meant for postgrads at the age of 11. You've been guiding and working with IBM on AAI. And forgive me if I get any of this wrong because the list is just en- endless, you know. But I think there's something you're very unapologetic about wanting to make change about not just referring to all young people as a homogenous group of people, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, you look at COVID, which was the most uncertain time for our generation, and all the other challenges that we're facing, cost of living crisis, um, impact on our education, uh, the jobs market, the property ladder, all of these things disproportionately impacting youth. And for far too long, these decisions are being made about my generation without us. There is no possible way that those in number 10, those in the Westminster bubble can rely back on their experience of being in education as a young person 10, 20, 30, if not more years ago. So it's just so important that we're valuing and we're uplifting my generation's voice in the same way you would consult a subject matter expert in anything else. We speak to our economists, we speak to our healthcare professionals, but there is just not that space to listen to the voice of um, those at the heart of these issues that we're facing. And it often is that those closest to the problems are closest to the solutions. So in everything I do, I don't just lead global student outreach at IBM to have my voice heard and so that I can shout, but actually, so we're weaving and we're creating that space and I'm really trailblazing to ensure that the voice of those right at the start of their technical journeys and their professional development is brought right up to the top so that our industry leaders are hearing exactly what the young people of today want and not basing it off those 
those false perceptions. And, you know, you have boundless energy and, you know, you've been doing this. This is not, this is not, you know, just suddenly you've got to an age and gone, I'm going to do this. This is something you've been very passionate about from an early age and had an amazing support network to do that. But, you know, um, we were chatting earlier, you know, that there's this, not everybody has that network or support network being able to kind of push for, for, for. so what, what, so there's two things, aren't there? You know, how do we listen more and listen better and actually not just listen, but hear? And how do we enable uh, more individuals' voices to be heard? Yeah, don't get me wrong. I've ultimately had such a privilege to just be able to do me. And I really do appreciate and I'm so grateful for that, having that financial freedom, strong family upbringing, not being a caregiver or having someone dependent on me. Um, And it's understanding that privilege that drives me to promote greater equity of opportunity and to uplift others to overcome these barriers that they may face. But ultimately, I think it's about when we're trying to consult the voice of those at the heart of an issue, those being impacted by decisions being made, it's how do we empathise? And I think that empathetic leadership is the most important thing. We can't just... um, what is it I'm trying to say? It's, yeah, we can't just expect young people to come into the boardroom and to be completely comfortable and to express their ideas with years in, uh, in front of people with years and years of experience. We're almost have that lived experience, but in today's society, it's more the expertise that we go after. So it's how do we create those spaces where we're valuing young people? We're going into the classrooms. When you think about looking at my younger sister and brother, 15 and 16, they're in their, um, they're like, prefects they're in the student council they're in the youth council my brother's member of youth parliament my sister sits on national boards across the nhs and all our public services but you look at all that youth democracy that's completely surrounding young people of today they're so politically engaged and so aware of their surroundings now more than ever with social media unlocking this massive um endless uh, kind of feed of information it's how do we really uplift those voices and value young people in the same way we're you know looking at the financial situation as well it's like how do we remunerate young people financially in the same way you would value um a subject matter expert so yeah it's just creating those inclusive spaces that I think we really need to do more of. Don't just invite young people to your office for youth day and show them around. It's about creating that legacy. And that's why, and I think we'll touch on it, mentorship, having that kind of continued um, support. So it's not just today's International Women's Day, let's look at all these incredible role models. And then the next day you return to computer science and STEM subjects where there actually is not a single female role model in the curriculum it's how do we show them that you've seen this and this is the possible and here is that continued legacy and framework to help you strive to be that next generation role model that I think is just missing and is so imperative. And I think you shared recently something on LinkedIn. I think 92% of 18 to 25-year-old women admit that they struggle to name a famous woman in the tech industry. How appalling is that? And you think about it, even myself, I look to it and you you look at the headlines and you've got like Elon Musk and you've got, um, you know, all these big technical leaders. And it's when we are in this fourth industrial revolution if you can't see something, how are you meant to be it? We just will then think that the technology is all consuming and that it's happening to us and again, happening without us. 
So it's just so important we have those strong, not just role models, but real models. So we can see the success stories of other women in the industry, of other people of similar backgrounds, be it like ethnic minority or um, being of an underserved and underrepresented group. So you can think that's a tangible way that I can go on and be do that and have that be my future. And you talked about mentoring, you know, mentoring. Um, for me, it's going back to that listening piece as well. I think it works two ways, if you like. It's that peer, the reciprocal mentoring, isn't it? And I'm so pleased you mentioned that. Reverse mentorship is so important because by having a mentor, it shouldn't just be, I'm looking up to this person because they've been in the industry for 35 years and I need to take everything from them and be so grateful for it. But also I think a lot can be learned for the mentor to hear from their mentee who might be younger or earlier on in their career. So they can gauge that understanding of what it is like to be a young person of today. A lot of the mentors that I've had um, within the tech industry have actually been working on a lot of projects related to um, getting more women in STEM or young girls interested in tech careers. So actually being able to show them and allow them to see those joys, those aspirations, those pain points that I face um, really allows them to, to keep that finger on the pulse and have that awareness of what it's like. But Ultimately, looking at it from my experience as a mentee, and I've had constant uh, and so many um, mentor relationships throughout the years, I think that it completely catalyzed my aspiration and my understanding of the world around me in that all of my friends were demotivated by the way computer science was taught at school. Even calling it computer science, we're siloing it, we're removing it from the day-to-day. They leave the school, uh, like the four walls of a classroom and they're surrounded by tech all around them. So it's with mentorship for me, it was showing me how I can have this real time that applied that holistic view of the industry and better see myself in what a role of the future may look like. In today's world where we don't yet know what the jobs of the future look like, I think that having a mentor to guide you and allow you to see that it's not just about the knowledge, but it's about how you present yourself and that critical thinking and all of those kind of professional habitudes, like the habits and attitudes, um, are so incredibly necessary and I really would love for it to become like more of a universal thing where everyone has the chance even if it's just a 30 minute conversation for change I like to liken them to where you have that chance to understand someone's work and maybe take some kind of um wisdom or inspiration from that conversation I just think it does just show you the possible and Yeah, I had my first mentor when living out in Dubai, which was like living out in the future. I spent six years living there and that from there, they brought me on to work experience. I did my first talk with the general manager of IBM Middle East and Africa in front of 5,000 IBMers. Like it just completely catapulted me and showed me the possible. Um, So then when I returned back into school, it gave me that driving force. It encouraged me to keep on going, to be persistent. Um, and yeah, to keep to to really see yeah the possible and what what it is I can achieve when I put my mind to it, and it's that um, thing of you know we have our own purpose, we have that spark, we all know what wakes us up in the morning, whether or not you see that as a career path or not. And I think that it's having that mentor to almost rekindle uh, kindle that flame, kindle that spark, and to show you 
what you can do with that because we all have those interests but we might just not be seeing there's not enough visibility around those many career paths of the future and that's why and Simone you know about this with Northern Power Women's Support um, before I left sick form last year a week after my last A-level exam I hosted an event where I brought UN Secretary Generals into my school as well as young change makers who are recipients of the Princess Diana Award and so many incredible accolades and then had the young people work on solutions to solve the sustainable development goals using everything they'd learned that academic year, pitching it to investors at the end of the day, young people going on to set this up during their summer holidays and get funding from the council and like completely catalyze again the possible. And that shows you they would never have seen themselves as a change maker. They'd have never have seen themselves as having the chance to do that. And it just takes that one interaction to completely change someone's mind. And we saw during that day, the young people who weren't even, um, were disengaged with a traditional classroom environment, be it behavioral or their access needs that they just felt were never met or never listened to or never, they felt people were empathizing with that experience. They found that when it was applied and when it was a reflection of the real world and when it showed them that they can reclaim that decision-making power that has been stripped away from them in wider society, um, I think it really did show them the power they have individually, one conversation for change at a time to make a difference on the world around them, thinking loca- uh, globally while acting locally. Absolutely. And I, I was part of um, um, an, an organisation um, a few years ago and we did a whole 360 change makers, um, 18 to 35, I think, over in, over in, gosh, three and a half weeks, we were over in New York State, um, all working on these SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals on different projects different hacks and then all presenting it back to the UN like three weeks later and it was it's absolutely and that for me has always been something that has driven my passion in you know I had that an amazing opportunity for that period of time to listen and to try and understand different people from different backgrounds different cultures um you know different um, socioeconomic situations and, and genders and, uh, race and uh, neurodiversity, everything. And, and I, I, I loved it. But, you know, often there's, there's quite a lot, you know, barriers. You know, you talked about, you know, sort of having, you know, a great opportunity and not having things to hold you back. But what you must have had some key challenges and barriers along the way. Yeah. I mean, and how did you smash through them? <laughs> I think that for me, the older I've got, <laughs> now 18, <laughs> so I'm sounding as if I'm sat back in my rocking chair at 90. Um, but the main thing for me was I turned that um, adversity into my superpower to drive, to try and reclaim space while all those decisions in that Westminster bubble were being made without us. I looked to see how I could take back control in some way. So I definitely say that I always have this thing of like being brave and not perfect. And I think that that real spirit drove me through a lot of those difficult times to smash through those glass ceilings. But ultimately, I think it's when I look back to those mentors and I look past, uh, back to the people that got me through those perceived glass ceilings, it was the people who never presumed or like assumed that I was a young person. So I needed this. As you say, youth experience is not homogenous. How do we listen and empathize and understand the individual's, um, desires and you know, what they're looking for in the world? It's the people that asked and who were there to really listen and not just, throw all this knowledge at me without me even asking for it 
And it was continuing to be curious. My mum always said, if you don't ask, you don't get. And whether that's the right etiquette or not, I don't know. But now I'm not only continuing to DM business leaders asking for 30 minutes of their time to just sound out some ideas and learn more about their work, but now I'm starting to see it come back to me in some ways. And it really is this ripple effect of opportunity that has got me through um, these glass ceilings and barriers. It's once I've had this opportunity being a part of the fortunate few for now, but hopefully this will become more um, widely accepted and more people will have the opportunity to truly be themselves in whichever room it is they want to be be a part of. It's, it's yeah, how do we no longer just see young people as young people but and stop being tokenistic with it and stop seeing youth as a tick box, but rather, yeah, how do we... Um, see young people beyond that and we break through those barriers so it's not like my problem to think that we've got all these societal barriers and oh gosh how am I going to get through those but rather it's up to industry leaders and the people listening to think there's like a young person in my network be it your daughter your niece your nephew or someone who came in for work experience for a week and it's that idea of how do we create legacy it's not just come in for a day come look around our office have a spin on our spinny chairs have a nice photo opportunity and be on your way it's how do we make sure that when they then return to the computer science classrooms which the textbooks remain completely out of date and completely unreflective of the real world how do we make sure that they feel that there is that potential and that there is that legacy and that we can continue to sustain that spark we mentioned about how do we have mentors to kindle that flame and ensure that it keeps on going and we keep that purpose and passion fired up but it is yeah how do we make sure that we're we're pulling young people and bringing them up and making sure that that is not just this tick box one-off thing that we're doing um to look good but rather it really is led by us and completely empathetic and considerate of um those lived experiences and all the challenges that we may may face and and what do you do about um, when you're in that room or you're, you've been given that opportunity and it is a tick box and it is just a one-off and they're like, yep, you, you young person, you've come to the table, you've, you've been and spoken in the meeting, but oh, actually that's enough now. How, how do you deal with that? Where you're like, well, you're not, you're then you've, people want to hear this amazing, you know, sort of, um, insight that you've got this amazing knowledge that you've got this amazing passion for change but then it gets to a point where it's like no actually we're the grown-ups now go back to being a young person because that happens right yeah and it does and I've been in that position before and it's not a great one to be in where you think oh right what is the real purpose of me being here is it just to tick that box of oh we considered the youth view or is it that moving forward we actually want to work with the young people to implement that change and that policy and whatever it might be that we're working on so I think there is that real need and I'm not afraid of it now but I appreciate again this is a very rare thing to be able to do where I say you know what are your real intentions here are you actually serious about consulting youth or are you just wanting to hear our views as you say for that checkbox so I think it is this matter of calling it out in any way you can and also as I say I don't like to just go in as the young person anymore and even if on panels or interviews whatever it is if the questions are framed around young people I'll be like no I'd rather talk about 
you know, being an early professional and the challenges I faced there and the power of mentorship and all the topics we've covered in this podcast, which, you know, anyone could have that conversation, regardless of whether you're in day one of your career or you're near retirement. It's about how do we see that as, it's like, yeah, how do we see that experience as who we are rather than what society may like define us as or what box they try to put us in so yeah I'm just not afraid to call it out anymore and if I find that there is no more communication I'll go back and follow up and I'll say and it's often you know International Women's Day to International Women's Day Girls and ITT Day to Girls and ITT Day it's oh you know here are the young people let's talk to them let's ask them what they want to see different and what we want to see changed but we'll just bring them back the following year. And it's got to the point now where I'll be involved in all of these conversations and you give us that sense of hope to speak with policy leaders and to speak with world leaders and say, listen to the voice of youth, listen to my story. This is what we want to do differently. This is what you need to change. And it's got to the point now where the money is there and we know they have the solutions, but they're putting profit before the people. And it's how do we make sure that we hold them accountable? And we don't just expect, you shouldn't just expect like the people who are the checkbox to be the ones to go and follow up. It's also how do we call that out as like allies as well that I think is so, so necessary. Um because yeah, if if they're not valuing our voice in the same way, then why, when we go kick off and hold them accountable, are they suddenly going to listen? You talk about legacy. That's that's clearly sort of in your DNA. What is my legacy? Why am I doing it? What is going to be left behind? Or what am I taking forward? What is that? What's that ask that you have that will enable you to achieve that ultimate goal and legacy? Yeah, I think you've mentioned like the convention of the North there and levelling up. And obviously as a, a young person living in Yorkshire myself, I think for us like levelling up is not just an empty slogan defined by political terms or premierships and the constant prime ministers that we've had, but it actually is our future. And it's not just this empty slogan of age or gender or economy. Instead, it's that equity of opportunity, it's that education, it's our future of work, it's how we encourage next generation opportunity and also that real transformation. So I think ultimately it's how we need to be asking ourselves, how do we promote equity of the opportunity equity of opportunity that starts in the classroom and then goes on to mitigate mitigate that detrimental impact that COVID has had on us. And I think that, you know, looking really onto the future and as I've said throughout this, my generation don't just want to be seen as the girl who codes or you're good at coding for a girl, but rather we want to be recognised for our accomplishments of who we are rather than any of that age or gender bias that comes with it. So I think that, yeah, it's how do we make sure that with the future of work yet to exist and with this AI gold rush completely accelerating innovation, how do we make sure that we are remaining in tune with those at the heart of um, those decisions being made and how are we actively uplifting that voice um, in a way that is sustainable, that is long-term and isn't just um, a tokenistic one-off thing because we see right through it. And I think that industry leaders 
I always say, are just as eager to hear from us as we are to hear and engage with them. So both sides are, are interested, but when we're both just dancing like two different dancers and we need to learn to dance together in, in harmony. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just listen because ultimately we need, we all are driven. We see the importance for an equitable future focused digital tomorrow and yeah it's how do we do that together and it really is one conversation at a time we don't we need this radical systems change but a movement is simply people moving and we all need to play a part in that I love that a movement is simply people moving and I love the whole point about it's you know consider listen ask and uplift you know those voices so thank you so much Lala an absolute delight. Um, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time. I don't think we even got to a fraction of the questions I would have liked to answer, but as for, you know, amazing, amazing just to hear what you are achieving and continue to achieve. So thank you. Please continue to be kick-ass, you know, taking people with you, educating, listening, amplifying. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank all of you for listening. Remember, these are our weekly episodes. It's our Path to Power um, series. And if you would like to join us on this mission of personal and professional development, you can find out about all of our events, our podcasts, our our weekly, monthly um, power-up sessions on our digital hub, wearepower.net. Love you to leave an old school review as well. You can even drop us an an email. That's how old school we can be at times. Podcast at northernpowerwomen.com or wearepower.net, our digital hub. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Simone. This is the Northern Power Women podcast in what goes on media production. Oh, yeah.